We, uh, our team in Guatemala, we, we learned on Saturday night that we would be singing that song on Sunday morning in front of a large church full of Guatemalan folks, and uh, we had never sung it before. So now we're experts. We feel great about it, but <laughs> that morning as the seven or eight of us, I guess 13 of us, stood there before uh, those folks, we were glad that they knew the song. Let's just say that. And uh, the faithfulness of God was exhibited, demonstrated, even in those moments in a beautiful way. Well, it's great to see you. We're going to keep the kids in here today with us because we are going to have different people sharing, and I'm going to be sharing a little bit. We're going to be showing some pictures and uh, just, just really thinking uh, purposefully about mission and the lessons specifically that we learned in Guatemala but we're sharing, we want to share in such a way that we be sure to communicate, and so we hope that we get this point across, that these lessons that we've learned are not only applicable for Guatemala, but we pray and we trust that they're applicable for our lives right here in Santa Barbara and wherever the mission of God might be taking place and wherever it is that he's calling and inviting his people into that mission. So you see the, the title here this morning, Maximum Mission, and uh, just uh, Maximum Mission, and this is the, the name that the, the folks in the Central American, I guess it's called the Mesoamerican region now for the Church of the Nazarene, this is what they, how they refer to their uh, work and witness trips or mission trips, because it really is, as those of us who went on this trip found out, it is mission to the max. And we did all sorts of things. It's not just one thing or the other. There was construction, and there was Jesus film, and there was evangelism, evangelicube. There was sports ministry. There was medical services. All of these things that you're going to hear about this morning that we had the chance to be a part of. But uh, what a blessing it was, and it was definitely missions kind of to the max. So... Um, a couple of weeks ago, after years of, uh, really about a year of planning and about five months or so of kind of preparing our team and, and, and raising the necessary funds and, and kind of getting ourselves all equipped to go, seven of us from our church and six others from the Los Angeles district took off for, for Guatemala. And uh, we, we partnered together with the Nazarenes there in Guatemala to do some Wonderful work. And again, some of the lessons we want to share with you this morning, we're, we're doing so with this, with this confidence that they will be, uh, hopefully at some level, inspirational, motivational, but at another level, just very um, helping us to be very mindful and reflective as to why we talk about mission and why we participate in mission at any level, whether it be in another land or to our next door neighbor. So the night, the, the Tuesday night we were there, I, I got a chance to share with our team and, um, and with, the, with a few others about kind of, the, kind of the why we do mission. Now, if you've ever been on any kind of a cross-cultural mission trip or anything like that, you know about three or four days into it, you start to kind of wonder, what am I doing here, actually? I love these people, but I've been around them all the time. And I don't have the comforts of home at this point to kind of help me make it through this, this season. And so I thought it was appropriate 
to talk to our team and to myself for a few moments about the why of mission. And so we're going to, I want to share some of those same thoughts with you this morning. Before we get to the what of mission, and, and I invite the team to come and share some of the what of mission, I just want to remind us of some of the, the simple truths, the simple facts about why we do mission. Um, why does a team like this decide to come together and go to a far off place? Take it back a, a step from that. Why does a church decide to go through the process of, of raising funds and selecting leaders and uh, reading applications and having meetings. Why, why do we do this kind of a thing? Why do we step outside? Why, why do moms leave their children for a week? And why do other men and women take a week off from work to go to a place so that they can work? Um, why do we do these kinds of, of activities? Is it just because we want to travel the world and see new sites and meet some people and get some cool souvenirs, you know? <laughs> is it just because we, we want to try something different? Well, if it is, then, then we've totally missed the point. Um, we, we have to just continue to ask ourselves that larger question as well, all of us. Why is it that any of us would join in this larger mission of God, the Missio Dei, the mission of God in the world? Why, why would we feel called uh, to do that? Well, the Apostle Paul has some great words that, that I share with our team that I just want to share with you um, this morning. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And uh, I'm going to have it up on the screen here, and I'm actually going to try to um, use my clicker today. So if the things go wrong with the slides, then you got nobody to blame but me. All right? Oh, wait. And the technology. So we'll try that. But um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Would you just stand with me as I read this? Some great reminders. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he's... He's talking to them about how he's ministered, how he has ministered to them, how he's been in mission with them. But he's also very clearly and beautifully inviting them to be in mission with him now in the mission of God in the world, to spread the joy and the love and the peace and the hope that God brings into the world and to be partnered together with God in this amazing task. So listen to what he says. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. We read that in the Spanish Bible, and it literally says, si estamos locos. It really, isn't that great? If we're crazy, it is for the sake of God. I couldn't believe that. I was like, really? That's the translation? But that's what it said. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ 
and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And this is the word of the Lord. Amen. You can have a seat. So why do we give ourselves to maximum mission? Why do we, why do, we do this? Well, Paul says, first of all, this, this key truth. It's because we are compelled by the love of Christ. We are compelled by the love of Christ. I looked up what it means to be compelled, and it means really to be, to be pressured, to be forced in such a way that you can do nothing else. The love of Christ, when we have encountered it in a powerful in a beautiful and in a truthful way, we, can, we cannot be not changed by it. We cannot be not compelled by it to, to join in the mission of what God is doing in the world. The love of Christ, when it, when it reaches into the depths of our hearts and when it changes us from the inside out, when the grace and the forgiveness that Jesus brings into our lives, when we come face to face with that, when we truly experience it on a very personal, one-on-one sort of level, then, then you who have experienced this know that we are compelled. We can do nothing else than to say, God, well, here's my life. Here I am. Use me. Do with me what you will. The verse simply says it there in 514, for Christ's love compels us. Because we're convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. I, I was reminded of this scene from the, the, um, the movie, The Mission. I don't know how many of you have seen that. But I watched it again, actually, this scene this morning, just to kind of get it imprinted on my soul again. It's the most powerful, maybe one of the most powerful scenes in a movie that I've ever seen. And the character is played by Robert De Niro, maybe one of your favorite or least favorite actors, but in this movie, the character that he plays, he's a former slave trader, and uh, he's, he's um, just kind of been in that market with natives in South America, just, just uh, in slavery, brutally capturing them and then selling them on the market, and he has a, 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 just a confrontation with God and decides that it's time to kind of change. He has some, all these other issues uh, play into that, but he believes that he needs to do some penance for the slave trade that he has been involved in for all these years. And so he gathers up all the tools of his trade, his armor and his swords and, and all the tools of the military uh, and slave trading uh, trade that he had been a part of. And he puts them in this, this big net, this big basket, and he decides that as he goes with the, the, the missionaries to where the, the, the natives are, that he's going to carry that behind him the whole way. And if you've seen the movie, you, you know that he carries it across rivers and up sheer cliffs and through the mountains. And at one point, one of his fellow missionaries tries to cut it loose, and he does, and it goes way back down below him. And he looks at the, his so-called friend at that point, and he says, mm -mm, not like that. 
So he goes down all the way, hooks it back on himself, drags it back up the mountain. It's only when they get to where the, the natives are and, and the, the first missionaries come into the village and they begin to share and everything's happy and, and, and going well. And then this former slave trader comes around the corner, caked in mud, just a mess. And he's just languished getting this, doing this penance. And one of the natives sees him and recognizes him as this brutal slave trader and grabs a knife and runs over to him and holds it right up to his throat. About, as the viewer thinks, to give him what he actually deserves. Right? Just to slit his throat and be done with it. But instead, in that moment, pulls the knife away from his throat steps back behind him and chops the basket loose and kicks it over the cliff to the far river below. And in that moment, Robert De Niro, he's a great actor, but I think it's really true. I mean, he just, he starts to just weep and bawl because he knows that in that moment, he's come face to face with the one who, who could have given his due punishment, justice could have been served, and justice was averted because of his grace and his forgiveness. And, and he recognized that this was much more than just from a, a native tribesman, but it was the grace of God being displayed in his life in a powerful way. And from that point in the movie, he, he just can do nothing but serve God and serve these people, and he ends up just giving everything that he has for these people. He was compelled by the love of Christ. That is why we do mission. That is the only reason we do mission. And that is what, that is what begins, that's what initiates, that's what starts us. That's what gets us on this road to, to, to living for God and for sharing Christ in the world. We're compelled by the love of Christ. We're also this second idea that Paul speaks of, that we are convinced, that we're convinced that this, that this love of Christ that we have experienced that has transformed our lives, really, by our experience with the presence of God, we are convinced that this same love of God expressed to the person of Jesus Christ really can make a difference in the lives of other people. We're just, I don't know, crazy enough to believe that in a world in which we live that is so broken by sin, where there is darkness, where there is despair, where there's depression, where there's crime, where there's, you name it, where there's darkness. We're just crazy enough to believe that by the presence of Jesus in the world, that, that God can truly make people new. Listen to this verse again. Therefore, we believe this. Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. We believe that. The old is gone and the new has come. We're just different enough to believe that folks who are so far apart from Christ and whose lives have just been marred by sin and brokenness, we just believe that, that when they have an encounter with the risen Jesus Christ, that something new can happen. That, that new ways of viewing the world can begin. That new behaviors can begin to be expressed. That, that, that relationships can be healed. That, 
a, a purpose can be grabbed hold of, that a future can be envisioned for these folks. And since we believe that, since we are convinced of that truth, we dare not hold it to ourselves. We, we got to distribute medicine, and you're going to hear Lola, I think, is going to talk about that a little bit this morning. We got to distribute medicine to some of these folks in these Guatemalan villages and areas. What a, what a blessing that was to, to just see these, these mothers come to get medicine. And I, I was standing next to a, a mom and her daughter while she got this medicine, and she was trying to get her daughter to swallow this pill, Right? And if you have small children, you know what a challenge it is to get kids to swallow a pill. I mean, what do you mean i got to swallow it? You know, and the girl was like taking a drink. And she's like, you know, the whole deal. And I'm trying to encourage her and cheer her on. And, and she finally got it down. And we were like, yeah. But, but what would it be like if, if we had this medicine? What would it be like if we had this we, we brought these two big crates of medicine and these vitamins and we brought these toothbrushes and all this toothpaste. What would it be like if we had all that stuff and we had it on the bus and we got out and we, we looked at these kids and these families who were, were sick, who had some illnesses, and we looked at their, their teeth that, was, that were rotting and we, we looked at them and we said, man, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I got the medicine on the bus and I got the toothbrushes that could really help you physically. I know, in fact, if you take this pill, you will feel better right now, and it'll dramatically change the, the course and the direction of your life. But you know what? I'm going to just leave that on the bus. How would that be? I mean, that's, that, if you put it in that perspective, that's not only, that's not only sad and tragic. It's cruel. Cruel. I begin to think about that in, in terms of this. If we are convinced that the message that we have of God's reconciling ability, his ability to, to make right this relationship between he and humanity, and it's found in the person of Jesus Christ, and if we truly are convinced of that fact, and we believe with all our hearts, and not only do we believe that someone who grabs hold of that message and internalizes it and becomes a part of them, not only do we believe that their life here on earth can be radically transformed, that they can experience a whole new level of peace and meaning and joy, but we believe, we take it one step further, and we truly believe that if they find that truth and that message, that they can spend an eternity with God, an eternity worshiping God in heaven, if we truly are convinced of that and yet we fail to go in mission to share that word, whether it be to Guatemala or whether it be next door, it's not only sad, it's not only tragic, we might even consider it cruel. And so we go in mission. Third thought is simply this, that Paul amazingly radically says that you and me, any of us who have put our faith in Jesus, we're not only compelled by the love of Christ, we're not only convinced of the transforming power of God, but God has, in a sense, looked at each one of us and commissioned us. And I looked up the definition of commission as well, and it says to give authority to act in your place, to make, de to, to, to make decisions for, for another person. We have been commissioned to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. Paul says it like this. You remember this, this verse? Read it with me. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. 
as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You see that phrase, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We have been commissioned by God to be Christ's representatives in this place. Jesus came, He walked the earth, He left, He sent His Spirit to to infill and to empower His believers who are to walk in Jesus' steps and are to carry on the mission that Jesus began on earth as we live in the lives, in the world in which we live. We are not only compelled, not only convinced, we are commissioned. And so when, when you feel that commissioning, I don't know, when you feel that mantle fall, when you feel that, that sword, you know, kind of anointing you, whatever that, when you, you know, you break the bottle on your, the bow of your life, you know, and just say, it's, it's on. This is God just commissioning each one. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor or a full-time missionary or a teacher or if you're a follower of Jesus, you are commissioned to be his ambassador in the world in which you live. That gets us started, right? The why of mission. Why do we do this? Compelled, convinced, we're commissioned. So when we're convinced of of that, that we should do this, then it's time to go and do it. So we give and we share and we we live our lives to the uttermost ends of the earth and to our next door neighbor. And we go on trips like this. And and hopefully, every time we go, we learn a a little bit more about how we can do it even better. And and so again, I'm just... Thankful for some of the lessons that we've learned on this trip. And, and hopefully, those of us who went can be, you know, we can know better. And by sharing here with you this morning, that all of us can know better as well. We learned, first of all, this, this powerful truth. That Christian mission comes in many shapes and sizes. And I want to have Deborah and Lola come on up here. And I'm going to have them share a little bit. But we, we learned that... That there's no one size fits all, in a sense, for mission. That, that when you go as an ambassador for Jesus into the world, there is no telling what you might get invited to do and to be. And there's no telling what different means or what different ways of expressing uh, in your life that you might be able to communicate the love of Christ to the world that you're a part of. And so I, a couple of things that we did that I've asked Deborah and Lola to share about is we, we did some construction. Although actually we might call it destruction. We, we were more of a demo team and I've got the war wounds to prove it. I mean, we, we just kind of tore into this building. I'm going to let Deborah talk to you about that. And then, and then after she's done, I want to have Lola talk a little bit about the medical uh, services that we were able to provide. So... Um, if you want to scoot this over, you can talk right here at this microphone, and we can just lower it down without any problems, I think. How's that? Perfect. Yeah, I write lest I ramble. Yeah, good. Excuse me, Lola. All right. So. Well, I didn't realize until our first devotional in Guatemala that I had actually grabbed a journal from 2008 to take with us. And at that time, James was preaching to us from the book of John. And 
Two of the points you made was that God has chosen you for a productive purpose. Amen. And that God has chosen you to be a powerful witness. So it was great to review this, and that's definitely the definition of work and witness. And so our productive purpose was, as ambassadors of Christ, was to lay the groundwork for a construction crew that would follow, and that what they would be doing is raising the walls of a classroom on the campus of our seminary in Coban. That's the picture you see right there. <clears throat> This classroom had sunk over the years and was now needed for students studying to plant um, not only churches, but these churches are gonna be pastored by these pastors who just spoke the catchy language. So I'm just gonna say that to the kids one more time. We were in Coban, because James has challenged them, <clears throat> and the language that they were going to pastor in was catchy. Okay, just, just a hint there. So $5,000 was sent ahead by the district to purchase supplies and to hire this construction crew. However, with maximum missions, their goal was to maximize in every way possible. So collectively, the team of 13 put together 160 hours in a day and a half of tedious physical labor mm. to prepare for the local construction team to come and complete the project. We broke down cinder block walls, shoveled and wheelbarrowed sand, wired rebar columns, carried cinder block downhill, and corrugated steel roofing uphill, sorted and stacked it to be recycled and reused, mixed concrete, carried buckets of water, and attached old wooden doors to openings in the walls in hopes that it would support the concrete until it dried. This is a beautiful campus built in 1949 on sloping hills with natural corrosion from a considerable amount of rain runoff and equipment that has been in use for many of the 60 years the campus has been in existence. But in spite of the challenges, makeshift equipment, and slippery slopes, there is now new wiring for electricity and better support for the additional five rows of cinder block to be added to each corner of the classroom, and we came back with very few cuts, bruises, and blisters. We laid the foundation for the work to be completed. We began a work that we will not see finished. We will not meet the students, the congregations they pastor, mm. the families they lead to Christ. Mm. Yet we know that God has chosen us for a productive purpose and to be powerful witnesses to the people of Coban. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Deborah. Awesome. I'm going to let Lola share a little bit about uh, this gal in the middle of this picture as well as some of the things that they did. Well, my name is Lola. I am a Christ ambassador. <laughs> Amen. Hello, Lola. I, I first want to thank each and every one of you for your prayers, your financial support, your words of wisdom and advice, and I'm just grateful for the opportunity. You know, I, I um, shook a lot of hands, I kissed a lot of cheeks, and I hugged a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And every one of you were with me when I did that. Yeah. And I thought that was just awesome. I just want to thank you for that. Yeah. Anyway, I had the opportunity to work with this wonderful woman in the middle. That's uh, Dr. Jasmine Moss. She's from El Salvador. She's been doing missions for a year and three months now. And Josefina, Yesenia, Travis, and I had the opportunity to become pharmacists. <laughs> <laughs> so our first trip, we went to San Juan La Colonia. La Colonia. And there was approximately 150 people that she touched, talked, diagnosed, interviewed, whatever you want to call it. Every person she talked to. 
and every person was so happy coming out of the off, out of the room to see us. She would prescribe prescriptions, anything from aspirin to children's chewables, vitamin B, painkillers, just basic needs. Um, so they'd come to us and we'd be the pharmacist, get the medication, give it to them. We'd explain to them what they were for, how to take them, and every person was so grateful and so happy and thankful. It just really touched my heart. There was one little girl at uh, San Juan La Colina. Her, uh, her name was Sylvia. She had stepped on a nail and her foot was so infected, uh, she came walking in with sandals in mud up to her knees. The infection was so bad that it was like starting to turn dark, dark brown and I guess gangrene was coming in and it was circling around to her ankle and we had a nurse amongst us. Her name was Josefina. <laughs> and she had an assistant, Yesenia. <laughs> so they cleaned her up and uh, you know, squeezed the pus out and made her happy. We gave her a little toy and the doctor saw her and gave her some antibiotics but she didn't want to take the pills. She was afraid. So I guess there was a big group of people around her trying to, in essence, force her to take it. She was getting scared. So I, I kind of jumped in and told everybody to shoo. <laughs> and I brought her around back and we just sat and talked and I explained to her the consequence if she didn't take the medication. And she was afraid. She was truly afraid. And from what I understood was her sister had passed away a year before. Her mother was at the city in the hospital with her other sibling who had pneumonia, and here she was running around with this infection. So it, it really touched us. Um, I know Yesenia and Josefina were really touched because they were on the front lines. In any case, um, she and I made a pact, we made a deal. We pinky sweared that she was gonna take her medication, so I truly don't know if she did or not. I'm hoping she did and we're praying for her. Um, the second time we went to a place called Las Cruces. There's about 200 people there. And we went through so many medications the first time we were a little afraid that we were going to run out the second time, which we did. We ran out of some stuff. But basic stuff. We had one, uh, one guy come in. He was complaining about a heart problem, that he was going to have a heart attack or he was afraid he was dying. So the doctor saw her, him and it was gas. <laughs> so she gave him antacid and he was happy, he was fine. <laughs> but that's just basic stuff that, that they, they really don't know or I guess they're not really educated about that stuff. So it was a good thing. Um, of course we did run out of vitamins and we were scrambling and we're to the point where we're handing out bare aspirin and Tylenol, just anything to ease the pain on some people. Um, there was one lady at the Los Cruces after she had seen um, Yasmin. Uh, she came up and she actually told Josefina. She said, um, this was a dream for us that you guys were to come. And Josefina basically said, it was a dream for us to be here. And it really truly was. Um, one other thing is we did run out of vitamins and I know we're going to do a Nicaragua trip pretty soon, and I'd like to, if at all possible, if you find it in your heart, to donate some kids' chewables or basic 
vitamin D, B, A, anything for that trip that would be greatly needed. Right on. Right on. Thank you, Lola. Thank you. Bless you. Here's some of the gals as they waited in line in Coban at the first place. Uh, just a long line of folks. And we had another lady in our team that, that shared the gospel with just about every single one of them as they waited in line. And, and another part of things that we didn't, you know, you don't know what you're going to do in terms of going on a mission, but we went to this school and one of the things that we got to do is we didn't actually share it, but the missionary shared a whole talk on sexuality in the school from a abstinence and even from a Christian perspective in this little school. And we got to just be in there and stand there and then give out um, little pamphlets in Spanish to each one of these junior high age kids. And uh, this is actually Pastor Josh Tiguila from Eagle Rock Church of the Nazarene sharing the gospel story from the little beads. But uh, we got to be a part of that. And these are some of the kids that were just listening in and being a part of that uh, discussion. You, you never know. What you might get into, mission, Christian mission, comes in many shapes and sizes, and that is the truth. Second thing we learned that uh, we ought to know, right, but sometimes maybe we forget, is that Christian mission is always centered on Jesus. It sounds redundant, and it is when we call it Christian mission, but a lot of times we just say, well, I'm going on a mission, I'm going to do good, right? A mission to do well in the world and to bring good tidings to those who need it. But, but there's always, in Christian mission, an element, truth, of who the person of Jesus is. And so I'm going to invite Jeffrey and Travis, I think, to come and share um, a little bit about some of the things that we did that really brought Jesus into the picture. And while they're kind of gathering their thoughts here, I'll just share about one thing I got to do, is we had one of the Evangia soccer balls and when our kids have seen this because we've played soccer with with these evangel balls and they have the colors of of kind of the tell help tell the gospel story and travels to tell talk a little bit more about that the bracelets but uh i got to i got to add a group of little kids that wanted to play soccer at one point and so i told them i would be the referee i helped them get into teams and you know they just played soccer for about 20 minutes and then i gathered them all together and and just kind of got the ball that we had brought and told them about the colors, and I think they mostly understood. And then the, the next day, the same thing happened, but that day I got to play, actually play, and Travis and a couple others of us got to play with some, some of these junior high and high school kids, and uh, it was like in a downpour. It was raining, just coming down while we played, but then it cleared off to give us about five minutes that, again, uh, I could just take that soccer ball and just tell them how beautiful and holy God is, how our sin separates us from that holy God, but how the blood of Jesus is there for us to cling to and to wash us white as snow, to give us a new life that grows and that can become all that God intended us to be. And I did all that in Spanish. And I, again, they were looking at me, kind of questioning at times, but I think the point got across. <laughs> Jeffrey, talk to us a little bit. Actually, I'm going to start with Travis. Travis, you're on first. Here, here's a picture of, of the missionary, the lead missionary there. We'll hear a little bit more about. On the right, his name is Milton, and he's from El Salvador. And, and he was telling us, the night we got there, you were going to share your faith this week. And we were like, no, we're not. In our, in our minds, you know, we don't speak the language. We don't know how to do that. 
very well in English. And so how are we going to do it in Spanish? And he said, no, you're going to share your faith this week. And he gave us these little bracelets, and he's putting the bracelet on to Josh Tegler, the pastor from Eagle Rock, and he's explaining to us how easy this was, this was going to be for us. And then here is a picture of Travis with an interpreter, but doing his very best to explain this bracelet to this little boy. So Travis, share a little bit about your experience, and, and especially around this area of evangelism. So I had never really done evangelism before to begin with, so this was, even for English, very new to me. Um, trying to evangelize in Spanish, I did the best I could, got about halfway through, and then had my interpreter help me the rest of the way. But I got this kid interested in the bracelet we had, and I was just sharing. We had five different colors representing the light of Christ, our sins, um, the blood of Christ when he redeemed us, the cleansing when we accept Christ in our lives, and our growth in Christ. So I got to share each of these colors with the kid and what they each mean, and then give him the bracelet so that he could keep it as kind of a memory of what it means. Um, and then also, another thing we did in these two different neighborhoods is we had an evangel cube that we walked around with to see families either on the streets or in their homes. And we walked through a story with this evangelized cube where we talked about how Christ died on the cross for our sins, rose again in three days, and how through Christ we can be saved and redeemed. Amen. Good. And we did it. And you did it. Bless you, Travis. And uh, we'll never know uh, maybe all the fruit that was born, the seeds that were planted because of that interaction. So bless you, and what a, what a great experience. Um, <laughs> Jeffrey Payaso, I believe, is the Spanish word for clown, yeah, and uh, Jeffrey did it well. Um, share with us, share, share with us, Jeffrey, why are you dressed up like this, and what in the world are you doing? And I got some more pictures to show, but, but just share a little bit about our ministry with the children, especially. Well, our, our, our mission is to, to, to tell the story of Jesus Christ, and it is a working witness. We did a little work, and while we worked, I prayed. You seen a hole earlier with a little short guy in it. Well, that's because there's a big hole. And while we were in that hole, I was praying that the students that come to the seminary who are going to learn about Jesus are going to go out and do exactly what we did. So this is a VBS of the Jesus film and equipment they send out to gather everybody around to tell them about Jesus. And I got dressed up as a clown because I was so shy and... and, and you know, withdrawn that the uh, Pastor Milton there, he said, you, we're going to bring you out of that shell and you're going to be the man. <laughs> so they dressed me up as the clown and we, we got the kids to come around so we could tell them the story about Jesus. And I got to sing in Spanish and uh, Jesus Loves Me and some other songs that I had no idea what was going on. But it was a simple thing because the clown is supposed to be a mime. So all I had to do was mouth it, and it was like almost watching a, uh, the Japanese uh, uh, King Kong movies, you know, when you're going, <laughs> it was kind of like that, you know. So, but it was good, you know, and it brings to mind it, the thing about it, how it touches your life, you, you really, 
whew, you really don't realize what it does. This, this venture started about four years ago for me when I came to this church and about three years ago to get in to do missions, feeling a tug on me. And uh, in our Sunday school lesson today, I was reading for this week, it, it, it was in the last of the, at the end, by Wiseman said, rather services and loving response from a heart that is thankful for what God has done for us in Christ. First, we are to be, and then we are eager to do, first his will, and then his work. And in, in this past three years, I've come out to, to try and be a Christian, and now to go out and eagerly show what it's like to be a, a child of God, and how much fun it is, and how much enjoyment it is, and, and, and to show others that it's, it's not about what I can't do and what I can do, but it's about living life for Christ and living life to the fullest and, and touching these kids' lives. I don't know if they touched, we touched them or if they touched <laughs> us more. You know, this is when it started raining, and they were doing a soccer thing, and we had the Jesus film inside, you know. And uh, everybody left when the film got started. And a couple of the soccer players... It was, there was one with a toboggan in there that was out there with James, and it's kind of the older guys, you know, it's like the we're too cool for school kind of people. And uh, they came in and was watching the film, and the little ones were trying to, like, walk around and walk around, and they were, like, just looking at that film, and they were, like, moving them, like, you know, wouldn't take their eyes off the Jesus film, you know, just soaking it in. And uh, it just really touched me. And I got down in the floor and was laying down in the floor with it, and the kids come around, and, Little kids came around and crawled up on me and was rubbing my head and patting me. And, you know, it was like I had a house full of, you know, four or five-year-olds laid up on me. And it brought to, to mind in Matthews 18. About the time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, which of us is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a small child over to him and put the child among them. Then he said... I assure you, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, anyone who becomes as humble as these little children is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. When we were taking Jesus to these little children, you know, being the symbol of Christ. And like Lola said, I want to thank each and every one of you for being that part because each and every one of you, a piece of you, were there with us to show the love of Christ to these communities, you know, and the work that's going on, you know, keep them in prayer. The guy, Milton, when they left us at the airport, they were going to El Salvador to get ready for Nicaragua. And I mean, he is, you think I'm wide open? This man puts me to shame. He is on fire for God, and they just work 24-7 on it. Amen. And I thank every one of you. Amen. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, that Jesus film showing was pretty spectacular. We went around all the door-to-door, and I went with a guy from our team. You'll see a picture of him in just a minute. Who was a, he's a pastor here in our district in Spanish. He's from actually from Guatemala uh, originally, and, and I went around with him, and I'm thinking, sweet, I'm with this guy, he's going to do it all. And I just get to pray for him and cheer him on. 
But we got to this one house, and he, I could hear him. I'm understanding about three-fourths maybe of what he's saying. He's sharing a little bit about the gospel. And then, and then I hear this. And these people have come all the way from the United States to tell you about this good news of Jesus Christ. And I was back there going, yes, we have. And he looked at me, and he said, Pastor, Preach. And it was this little lady, this sweet young lady holding her baby, and she's got like four kids running around behind her, and I'm like, oh man, I know, I got about 30 seconds here. Give me that cube. And she came to the Jesus film, we invited her that afternoon, and when the pastor came and gave an invitation to come forward, both in Spanish and in Quechi, she was one of the ones that came forward, and uh, and, uh, she had told us when we asked her that, I don't really go to church sometimes. And there she was, and I, I looked up after the prayer, and I saw her, and I was like, you know, and she's like, you're weird. Um, but God is good. Amen? And Jesus is at the center of every Christian mission. So when you go in mission, it's a lesson for you to learn. When you go in mission, and when you're, you're expressing kindness, and when you're expressing joy, and when you're showing compassion, and when you're being loving to the people around you, when you're building relationships and having friendships with those in your world, which we want to do, right? We do it with Jesus. Jesus. And waiting for opportunities and looking for chances to speak the name of Jesus and believe that in so doing, he's got the power to to change those lives. Third lesson was this, very simple We learned that Christian mission works best when done as a team. And I want Josefina and Yesenia to come uh, right now. And we, uh, you know, I'm going to have them share a little bit about the the team that we partnered with from El Salvador and Guatemala, and then a little bit more about just our own team here. I think I'm going to have Josefina go first. Um, but, but, But we just simply learned that as we know, right, but mission is possible on your own. Don't get me wrong, but Jesus himself was the one who said, let me get two of you and send you out, right? Remember that? And so there's something that special that happens in teams. And we've been working on our strengths this weekend, right? Many of you are here, and we've been recognizing that not all of us have all the gifts and all the strengths, but as we work together in teams, it's amazing how much ground we can cover. And so I want these guys to share, and Josefina... Just a little bit about, um, here's some of the team uh, that maybe you'll talk about and others that we'll, we'll see in just a little bit. But Josefina, share some of your reflections on. I want to share a quote first yeah. that I found. Um, I believe that in each generation, God has called enough men and women to evangelize all the yet unreached tribes of the earth. It is not God who does not call. It is man who will not respond. This is by a missionary in China. And um, that's Jasmine over here, the blonde one. Um, she's a doctor, and her testimony is just a great testimony of being blessed, and now she's blessing people. Um, a couple from Minnesota sponsored her last year of medical school because her dad refused to pay any more of her medical school. So she made a promise to um, give her one year to the mission, and now she's been doing it for a year and three months. And that's Luis Miguel. And he's the worship leader, and he just has a beautiful voice. And it's his dream to come and be a youth pastor in the States someday. And that's the deep sea adventure. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, 
I didn't come to that, but Tara did, and she greatly enjoyed it. <laughs> she, yeah. And She's good. <laughs> She's good. You cannot, I, I put that in there intentionally to try to fluster Josefina. Unflappable, yeah. this girl. I've known her too long. Unflappable. <laughs> um, the third person was Luis, and he's the bus driver, and he is, um, part, he owns it with another one of his friends, and Luis, right? Yeah. yeah. And he donated his time to drive us everywhere because he doesn't have the money to donate, but he has time. Not anymore because he has a job now. But he got a phone call the first day of our mission, and his son was going to be going to school just starting, and he was being blessed. Someone called him and said that they were going to pick up school supplies for his kid. So that was a great blessing for him too. And that's Pastor Milton. He's from El Salvador also. He, has, he brings all his people from El Salvador back to Guatemala. And um, he has been in Guatemala for eight years now with his wife, Olga, their son, Milton, and their daughter, Alejandra. And Alejandra is studying to be a doctor because she wants to be in the mission field as a doctor as well. And that's Odili, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Odili. Yeah, Odili. And she is also from El Salvador. And she is a um, volunteer admin at the Coban Institute. And that's Pastor Josue and his wife, Bella. And that's Pastor James with, um, and Jeffrey, yeah, you guys know, and these two guys, those two young guys, they're studying, they're studying to be um, youth pastors also. So they're really young, and it's great to see the generations that are going to be serving God. Oh, and I don't know the... <laughs> just, I don't remember his name. It's pastor of the Central Church. They, James just wanted you to see the height difference between people. <laughs> Here and there. This guy was so cute. I mean, he's the cutest, all the kids, but this pastor, this is the pastor of the Central Church in Coban. The, their claim to fame is that the first Nazarene church in Central America, and this, this little town of Coban was kind of the birthplace of the Church of the Nazarene's work in all of Central America, really, and just a historic church, and uh, this little guy was just a bundle of energy and power. And uh, that's I, how I couldn't get too close to him. Just like, <laughs> and I want to share one more last thing. Pastor Milton over here at the end, he um, didn't know that people or guys in the States wash dishes because he, I told him that Danny washes dishes and then Pastor James said, I wash dishes too. And he's like, no more washing dishes. <laughs> so don't listen. <laughs> that's it. What an amazing group. And we got to spend all sorts of time. Thank you, Josefina. All sorts of time. We had daily devotions together. Luis Miguel, you see, with the guitar in his hands, lettuce and singing. And, and uh, just a wonderful time. Milton sharing devotionals with us throughout uh, the days. And uh, just having some, some tremendous interaction time. And then, kids, I want to be sure and put this in because we, we partnered with Milton and with the team there in Guatemala to, to uh, many of you brought dimes, right? You brought dimes throughout December and those dimes purchased these two um, machines. They're called proclaimers that uh, they can either be solar powered or hand crank powered. 
to speak the words of Scripture. And, uh, and we heard very important because they told us that a lot of the catchy people in particular don't necessarily read the language. And so one of these is in catchy and one in Spanish, and they're going to be using those throughout Guatemala. And so we were really excited to partner uh, with them. Milton was just a tremendous friend of all of us. We enjoyed uh, eating and drinking Coca-Cola together as well. This was in the back of somebody's store, a Nazarene person there that had us to lunch a couple of days while we ate. And there was common food, rice and soup and these big old avocados and meat of some kind. And uh, it was all really good. Now, Yesenia, share with us about this, uh, about our team, about the 13 of us. And these are the cool kids in the back of the bus. But yeah. uh, First of all, I just want to thank Deborah and all the people that put this mission together. Um, it was a great experience for me. I, not only I got to help people, but people got to help me. Um, my um, cool kids over here, <laughs> um, we have Travieso in the back, that's Travis. Um, Jeffrey, Lola, La Matadora and Josefina and me. We were always sitting in the back of the bus. Well, we're missing Jasmine and um, Martha. Yeah. Um, this two weeks, I mean this past week, um, when I came and shared with my coworkers, with my family, this experience, I think I'm glowing. I'm glowing because I didn't only got to help people in Guatemala. They helped me. My teammates helped me. Uh, feel the blessing of God again and you don't even know how I feel I, I feel happy I feel I think I can reflect it on my smile that I, I glow inside because I have God in my heart again mm. and I just want to thank every single one of you guys for helping each of us to get to Guatemala I know it was hard for me and I know a lot of us had financial problems, and you guys support us to get to this. So thank you. I just, I mean, what can I say? It was an amazing team, and talk about these people a little bit. Oh my God, these guys—they're <laughs> the most amazing people. Um, Esther, that's Tia and Tio. Um, Esther. Greet every single person that came to the clinic, and she was so kind to share the word of God to to them. And I didn't see them complain once. I did complain. I was crying by the third day. I was tired. I was like a baby, but I didn't see them complain, not once. Um, Theo was um, breaking the walls. He's they're amazing. They're amazing for their age and all the work they did. I couldn't have done it. Now he's the one who invited me to, to preach. You know. <laughs> Pastor, Moises. And she wouldn't, she wouldn't let anyone leave without hearing the word, the word of God. She's like, wait, wait, come here. And she will grab him and sit with him and pray. And it was just amazing to see her. And here we see Travieso eating some chocolate-covered strawberries with banana. He and Pastor Milton. That's Josue, actually. I mean, Josue. 
Yeah, Pastor Josue, um, they did an amazing um, praying session for me. And I hope everybody keeps praying for me because I feel so great. <laughs> so, yeah. You got to preach in the Nazarene church there. Yeah. And this was a frequent scene as well. This was back in Milton and Olga's home and just around a couple nights that we stayed there just uh, preparing meals. And, and that's in the first church, right? Yeah. This is the first church of the Nazarene. We... Um, we were there on Thursday, and here we were shopping. Um, Got to spend a day in Antigua. Yeah, Antigua, yeah. And Doña Lola's um, <laughs> hotel, right there. <laughs> and I don't know where Just, was it was. That's the logo you see everywhere around the cities, whenever there's a Nazareth. And I think there were, I don't know how many, 10 of them, I think they said, in Coban. And so it's just a, a stamp of the Church of the Nazareth. Oh, and before I forget, um, Doctora Respeto, that's what we call Jasmine, because she always used to say, no hay respeto. <laughs> so um, she, she complained and complained that Pastor James made us walk like five blocks to find a small logo, like a small street logo called the Calle de los Nazarenos. It was like this small. And we walked five blocks to find it in Antigua. I saw a street on the map that said Calle de los Nazarenos, the street of the Nazarenes. I said, we got to go. <laughs> so I just, this whole group, you know, yeah. they're trying to take pictures and shop and sightsee. And I'm like, we're going. Yeah. They weren't real happy with me. And but, she said, no hay respeto para un sign así de chiquito. She said, there, there is no respect for a small sign we walked this far. <laughs> Thank you, Yesenia. Well, thank you. Thanks for being part of the team. <laughs> Maximum mission, lessons learned in Guatemala, lessons learned for us here today as well. Worship team, come and lead us. Um, let's stand together, can we? God, thanks for the, uh, the opportunity to hear and, uh, and share in the stories and... Uh, Recognize that, that while seven from our church, 13 from our district physically went, that, uh, that, that all of us sent and went with in spirit. And uh, we're thankful for the lessons that these who went were able to learn. We're thankful for these lessons that we need to remember all the time. It, we, we can't say, God, we don't know for sure what, what your mission for us, your call in our lives is going to look like all the time comes in many shapes and sizes. We know it's always going to have Jesus at the middle. We know that it's always best when we got a partner or two around us. So may, may, the, may the mission of God, the Missio Dei, may it be ever focused in our vision today. As we think about the why, we think about the what. May we be people on a mission with you, God, today. And you're, Son's name we pray. Amen. Amen.